listening to the sermon podcast from Real Life on the Palouse, reaching the world for Jesus, one person at a time. Good morning. We are so glad that you're able to join us here today. I am joined today by the fabulous Emmy Salisbury. All right. Well, uh, we're in week number two of our Influencer Sermon Series. Just a quick recap from last week. We uh, took off from uh, the the road to Emmaus, and uh, that followed the uh, Resurrection Sunday. And uh, we saw how Jesus' influence in their lives changed, changed, changed their life, just like it changes our life. And so a couple things I hope you got out of last week was, number one, is that we get the privilege of helping people have an encounter with Jesus by the way that we use our influence, that we are hope dealers and that we're part of a revolution. Like a revolution needs revolutionaries. And we say uh, that Jesus thought he was bringing a revolution. Well, that includes us today and now. And so this week, as we dive into our uh, influencer series, uh, part two, uh, week week two, um, we're going to talk about like, who does God choose to use to influence? What type of uh, man or woman or child would God choose to use to influence? And so this week, Emmy and I get the privilege of uh, bringing to you a little bit about Peter and why God would choose to use somebody like Peter. And so this is probably the polar opposite of who you would think that God would use. He certainly wouldn't have been my first pick uh, that, that we would see that Jesus would grab grab him, but Jesus grabs Peter and walks him throughout this, this journey, which we're gonna talk a little, about, a little bit about today. And the cool part about Peter is that he was a fisherman. And a really cool thing about him is he had a boat and I love boats. I love boats too. And, and I have to just tell you guys, one of my favorite boat stories happens to be with you, Josh Gray. Uh, it was the McKeldries, the uh, Bretzmans, Salisbury's, and Greys are all down at the river, and Josh had his boat there. And so us four ladies decided to get on the tube and, and to let Josh give us a little tour. We said, start out slow. We don't want to do anything too crazy. And wouldn't you know that surely the speed and the uh, corners got a little bit more aggressive and us four gals, we're sitting on that tube, and we are holding on for dear life. And every single bump, we are just laughing and dying, and the air is getting shook out of us. And every corner, Kathy's on one end, and she's falling off, and I'm, I'm trying to hold on and grab her back onto the boat. And then Josh takes us around to another side, and Sarah's falling off, and she's losing her shorts, and we're dying laughing and trying to get her back on the tube. And Josh is just relentless. He is very influential in his boat driving. Pretty soon, figure eights are happening, and that tube goes up on one side, and all four of us ladies fly off, and we hit the water so hard. I think my heels hit the back of my head. Uh, I think Kathy hurt her shoulder, and, and the kids are all on the boat watching us with eyes just wide, and they're like, I don't know whether to laugh or to cry or to like hit Josh because he's he's ruining my mom, but uh, it was a great time. So point of the story, if Josh asks you to go on a tube ride, be forewarned that it could get a little gnarly. But yes, I do love boats and I love what we're talking about today with Peter. Um, we meet Peter and in the Bible uh, here in in Luke, and let me read this um, where Jesus meets him. It says, On the day that Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding among him and listening to the word of God. 
He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. Here we have Jesus. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the Word, and the Word was at the very beginning, and the Word was with God. Jesus had a Word, and he needed a way. And Peter stood there with this boat and said, I need to use your boat. And, and Peter's like, okay, so here we go. And he, and he puts out. Jesus could have spoken the word. He could have impressed it upon the hearts of the people standing there. He could have walked on water and had his message proclaimed to everybody. But he saw Peter and he said, you have something that I need. I need you and I need you in your boat. And this comes to our first point. And I want you to type it in the comments. I want you to, to speak it to the, the people in the room with you. Even open your door and make sure your neighbor knows this point. Point number one, we all have a boat. We all have this place of influence that God has put us, that he has called us. And he says, you have influence here. I have put you here for such a time as this. I need you to tell people who I am. I need you to use your boat. Now, I, if I had a choice of what boat I'd want, I would want a 24-foot Duckworth aluminum ultra magnum inboard jet boat. That's a nice boat. It's a pretty nice boat. And, and for you, how about an R7 Cobalt surf boat? That would be really nice. Wouldn't that be super nice? Yeah. We don't have that luxury. We don't get the choice. We don't get to decide what boat we have. I wish we could. But we don't. Jesus says, I need you wherever you're placed. I need you wherever you are at. I need you in plenty and in, in scarcity. I need you in failure and success. I need you. I need you in your influence. But Jesus asked Peter, he said, can I use your boat? He didn't just assume there was another boat there. He could have used that one. But Jesus is inviting us. He's asking us to partner with him. This is creative collaboration, where the creator is collaborating with his creation. He's asking us to use our platform, our influence, to get his word out. I, I love that Jesus is asking this of us. Can I use you? Can I use your boat? Can, can you and I work together to bring peace and kingdom to the places that you are placed. And what's so great about Jesus asking Peter to come along with him and to use Peter's boat is Peter necessarily isn't the best choice of influence. He, his journey is messed up. He is not who you would choose to, to put your word into him and to use that as a message. But Jesus does. And I think Peter's story is one of the best redemption stories in the whole Bible. For sure, I mean... When we think about uh, Peter and his life, like he, again, is not the guy that would make the cut. He is not the person uh, that you or I would have picked to be on our team. When you think about a fisherman in that culture, they're there because they weren't good enough. To They didn't get drafted. They didn't get picked, so they're back doing their father's trade. And fishing was a rough business. I want you to think, uh, let's see what would be good terms for us, would be like deadliest catch. Picture Peter. On the on board of the deadliest catch, and he's not the captain. He's out there working on the on the deck, and he's got a couple teeth missing. He's a he's a vulgar, rough, tough dude. 
right? And this is, this is who Peter would be. He'd be willing to get in a fight on a boat in the middle of the Bering Sea with ice sliding around because somebody wasn't doing their job and doing that. And so you think about it, like, this is the blue collar of the blue collar. Jesus takes the, the basic of the basic and really says, he says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to build my church upon a rock like this. And so as we see uh, Peter, his passionate life, the ups and downs of his life from when he first meets Jesus to when he w- walks on water to cutting off the, the, the soldier's ear to being scolded by Jesus uh, for doing that. Um, we, we, we see Peter spinning, just, just doing all of these things, his ups and downs in his life. And yet Jesus choose to use somebody like him. And so here's point number two, and I want you to remember this. This is, this is you got to take this to heart is that our past don't disqualify us from the future. It's actually the opposite. Our past qualify us to be used in the future. The, the heartaches, the things that we've dealt with, it's not about the things in spite of us. It's because of the heartaches that we've dealt with, because of the mistakes that we've made, that Jesus can use people like us to reach the rest of the world for Jesus, for him, one person at a time. Right, and so uh, we see how Peter, uh, his encounter with Christ changes things. And at the same time, uh, where do we fit into that story? Some of us might even think, like, I haven't messed up as bad as Peter or um, David or um, Samson or all those folks. Like, no, you haven't. But if you don't tell your story, if you hold on to your past and don't tell your story, then it's worse than those guys. God chooses to use you, and he chooses to use me. So remember, uh, our past don't disqualify us from the future. Actually, in Luke 22, uh, verse 31, it says, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift all of you as wheat, but I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when, not if, and when you have turned back, Strengthen your brothers. But he replied, Lord, I am ready to go to prison. I and to death. I will go all the way. What do you mean, turn back? I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna leave you. I won't forsake you. Jesus answered him and said, I tell you, Peter, that before the rooster crows today, you will deny three times that you even know me. And so did you catch that earlier when he's, and, and, he's, and he's praying for him? He says, I don't want your faith to fail. And when you have turned back, when did he turn back? He hadn't yet. And God knew that he was going to turn back. So when you turn back, when you come back to me, even when you disown me, even when you mess up, when you come back to me, here's what I want you to do. And you could put this in your term. When you mess up and you come back, you are redeemed by the Lord, what does he want you to do? He wants you to strengthen those around you, strengthen your brothers. And so uh, you hear Jesus is at this point where he's about to influence history forever, getting ready to be crucified, and yet he's there encouraging Peter. And I find it interesting uh, also is that that this is not the he's, he's this is not the this, the the savior right that they're expecting and Peter's a zealot like I, he's got to be a zealot because when they go to arrest him when they go to arrest Jesus Peter cuts that cuts the guy's ears off he cuts the high priest's ear ears, uh, the high priest's servant's ear off and don't you just want like this is the time I mean where I'm like when we get to the to to be with the Lord you're going to be like okay 
couple events I'd like to see. This one, because I want to know why the high priest wasn't just fell out of his chair when the guy picked his ear up, when Jesus picked his ear up and put it back on his thing like nothing happened. Because that, you think the guy probably screamed or yelled or something, but like what happened there? Why didn't that guy just change his mind? I love to see that scene anyway. But, you know, this is the part of like, this is not the way it's supposed to be. And do you think Peter's doubting as he sees Jesus carried off? Maybe he wasn't the Messiah. Maybe he wasn't. And so you're going through this downward time and we're in a time where where we think things are tough, right? Things are tough. And so I'm going to summarize Mark 14, 66, but this is the, the, the three denials. You will deny me. And so uh, when he denies them the last time, it says he began to call down curses and swore to them, I don't even know this man you're talking about. What happened to the bold, brave Peter? What happened to the one who cut off ears? He got scared and he, he denied him. And it says here that, and he broke down. When he heard the rooster crow, he broke down and wept. And so I have to ask you, I have to ask myself, have you ever been in Peter's position? Have you ever felt like you've denied God? Have you felt like there's no going back? What, what this, this was too much. There's no way. There's no way that, that I could be used. Have you ever done something that has just left a path of carnage all around you? Or a secret choice that ruined everything. Do you ever feel like you're out of the reach of God? It brings me back to that letter uh, that we read a couple weeks ago about the folks who are sitting under rehab. Like, I just don't feel worthy. Like, I'm uncomfortable around God's people. I don't want to feel like I'm out of the reach of God. I have. I have felt like I'm out of the reach of God. I do it still happens to your pastor now. I have a lot of gentlemen that'll they'll call me up and like, hey, I was praying for you today. I know that you're being attacked and I'm praying for you. And I was like, how do they know that? And I get attacked all the time. I'm told by this small secret voice, like, you're not good enough. You're not smart enough. What, what business do you have leading a church? And you know what? That voice, sometimes that voice is right. Sometimes it's true. Sometimes I'm not good enough. Sometimes I'm not smart enough. Sometimes I feel like I don't have any business leading the church. But when God calls you to something, when he calls you to it, he will see you through it. And so, you know, I rest on those things. Like, it's got to be God because it's not going to be Josh Gray. And Peter would be like, it's got to be it's got to be the king because it, it, it's not going to be me. And so I know that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, especially when it's God's purpose, especially when it's planned. So you're going to have those voices digging into you. You're going to have those things telling you that you're not, you're not good enough, that you can't be used. You've gone too far. You're exactly, you are exactly who God wants to use exactly the way that you're made. Your past does not define your future. 
And so uh, as we pick up the, the story where or uh, the next time we hear Peter uh, after he just denied Jesus three times, he's run into the tomb because he's heard the story from the ladies that Jesus isn't there. And so he gets there and he's like, this is true, he's not there. And if he was paying attention about raising from, that, that Jesus wouldn't be there, that he would be raised after three days, he would be like, wait a minute, we have a chance. They didn't, they didn't just take him away and he's, gone for, and he's gone forever. We have a chance now. But then there's probably an overwhelming piece of despair that, oh, wait, I denied him. I left him, and I know as a rabbi, or for my rabbi, that, that I'm out. In that culture, if you denied and you left your rabbi, you denied his teaching, you denied he was, you weren't willing to die for him, you're out. You're, you can't be used anymore. And so, uh, I mean, why don't you take us to the next time where we connect with, uh, with, with Peter and Jesus? Yeah, so the next time we see Peter, he's, he's back on his boat. He's back on the Sea of Galilee. He has gone back to familiarity. He's gone back to the same mindset that he found himself in before. He, he is stuck back into this place where there's old patterns, old mindsets. He's back in this rough and rugged fisherman lifestyle. I wonder how many times you and I do that too. We go back to what we knew. We go back to our comfort zone. And, and, and here he is. He's back on his boat. Maybe he's recalling all of those times that, that God called him. And there was this sweet relational intimacy between he and Jesus. A lot of things happened on that boat. At one point, they were in a storm, and the boat was about to, to be submerged by water. And Jesus says, peace, be still. And the storm is calmed. Then another time, Peter sees a ghost walking towards him, and then he sees that it's Jesus. And Jesus calls him, come out to me. There are wonderful moments on this boat, and yet here is Peter sitting on the boat that he's failed. He's back to where he was. He realizes he's made a mess. He's heard that Jesus has been resurrected, but he's back fishing. He could never go back like Josh said. He can't go back to his group of disciples. So he's back to fishing. And it had been a rough night fishing. It, it, the story tells us, the text tells us that he's failing at even that. Even in his comfort zone, he's failing. The one job that he can do by fishing, he's getting skunked at. And he hears off into, at the shore. Somebody says, throw your nets on the right side. So he does it. This is weird. Why he even chose to do it is weird. But even more so, to fish on the right side of the boat, this is not the kind of fishing they were doing. You always fish on, on the, the left side, closer to the shore. This would be like somebody telling you to put a jigging line on your fly rod. You don't fish this way. But Peter says, well, okay, this way's not working, so I'm going to try this way. So they put the nets on the right side of the boat, and wouldn't you know it, they get bombarded with fish. They are having a hard time getting all of the fish into the boat. As Peter is bringing the fish in, I'm sure that things are like, okay, this is not the way we do things. I recognize this. 
And in that instant, he knew it was Jesus on the shore. And the text tells us that he rips off his clothes and he jumps out of the boat. He's, he's leaving his fellow fishermen there to, to reel in all these fish. He's left everybody. But he knows, he knows that Jesus is on the shore waiting for him. And this brings us to our next point. Point number three, get out of your boat. Because Jesus is calling him on the shore and he's saying, Peter, I have called you time and time again. I'm, ta- I'm calling you into adventure. I'm calling you to trust me. I'm calling you into relationship. And this time is no different. Peter, come to me on the shore. And Peter does. You and I sometimes get caught in our comfort zones and Jesus is saying, guys, I'm over here now. Are you coming? And we gotta jump out of our boat. And what Peter sees on the shore is Jesus is there with a fire, coals. The presence of God is waiting for him. Coals always represent the presence of God. And fish. This shulha is a meal of reconciliation. Jesus is saying, Peter, we're good. I want to bring you back into relationship. I want to trust you. We're good. We're family. There are more important things that we get to do together. We're going to have this meal. We're going to share. We're going to break bread together because I still have that word for you. You still have your boat. We got to use it. And Jesus brings him into a conversation while they're sitting there. It's in John 21, 15. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. And the third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. These three times Jesus is asking him, do you love me? And three times Peter is saying, you know that I do. I feel that that Jesus is restoring Peter after those three denials through this meal and through these words, he's saying, Peter, it's covered, it's finished. We're good. Let's go. All things are restored. Peter, you jumped out of that boat. You and I, we have to jump out of that boat. There is risky faith that that our kids, our neighbors, our parents the people all around us, the influence that we have, they need to see us jumping out of our boats, willing to pursue Jesus on the shore because when we jump out of the boat and we pursue God, presence is always found. Where are we risking? Where is our influence? We have to jump out of our boat. One of my favorite quotes about following Jesus is the center of God's will is the most dangerous place to be. I want to live dangerously. I want to be with people that are willing to risk, that are willing to jump out of the boat. See, I don't want to go back to familiarity. I don't want to go back to the normal. I want to jump out of my out of the boat to pursue Jesus, who is on the shore calling me to something new. 
And God, Josh, I know that, that you too want to be a person that is willing to jump out of the boat. For sure. You know, that phrase that you said kind of caught my attention, and it's the back to normal phrase. Everybody wants to know, like, well, when can we get back to normal from this COVID-19 and back to normal? I think we're going to have a new normal. Mm -hmm. This is part of our journey. And I think that as horrible as it's been, and and there's been a tremendous loss of life, um, like, as we think about this in our journey, uh, what does back to normal look like? Was normal good? Was normal the way it was supposed to be? I hear churches, and I was just uh, listening to some different uh, different uh, calls and different uh, podcasts, and they're like, well, when can we go back to church? I got to tell you, we never left church. If you have to go back to a building to go back to church, you don't know what church is. Church is what we've been doing. Church is what we see Peter doing and living his life doing. And so as you think about point number four here is is the whole point of the journey is the journey. It's not, we've heard this and you've seen phrases like, you know, it's it's not about the destination, it's about the journey. It is about the journey. And in the text, when we're called to go and make disciples, it says, you know, come and follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And then in Matthew 28, he says, he says uh, the Great Commission, right? He goes, I want you to go out and make disciples or the, the verders as you are going. Not when you've arrived, not when you have your seminary degree or all those things. And you think about just the, I mean, just think about the two examples of Peter who denied Jesus and Judas, who sold him out. Now, I know the discussion that I've read in the, in the Jewish world, like Peter's worse in their minds. He, he didn't just, at least Judas got something, but like, like Peter abandoned him. And what do these two disciples who went with Jesus and walked with him and saw all those things, how do they react so differently? in such despair that are you the type that I'm in such despair and I could never be forgiven? That's not a very big God. Because the God that I read about talks about you in terms of potential. I don't, I don't read a lot about in here about the how bad you are. He wants to use you. He wants you to be part of it. So again, it doesn't take your seminary degree. It doesn't take years of Bible knowledge. It takes you being willing to be on the journey to being willing to be used as an influencer for Jesus Christ. And I got to ask the question, are you willing? Are you going to get out of your boat? We, church has not stopped. Church isn't over. If church is the 35 minutes that you and I are here, Emmy, then I don't know what church is. Church is what you've been doing all week long. Church is when you called and you checked in on your neighbor. Church is when you took care of your neighbor. Love your neighbor as yourself. Continue to influence. This, for us, is going to be a great thing. We got to show what type of church we really are. And yes, I'm excited for us to come back. And yes, I want to give you hugs and I miss you and handshakes and, and, and say hi and see how you've changed and see what God's doing in your life. But like, we are the church. Church is happening. Mm-hmm. So your story doesn't disqualify you. On the contrary, your story qualifies you. Get out of your boat and your journey 
as you God allow, as you allow, or as God allows, let me think about this, as you allow God to influence it, to influence others. But enjoy it. Like, this is weird times, but I'm enjoying this journey. I need to learn new things. And so Peter never looked back. He never looked back. He was crucified. His family died for his faith, but it meant that much to him. He was influenced that much. All of those guys, they lost so much. They were influenced that this mattered. And it matters today as we go to the table and take communion. And so if you want to grab your communion elements, let's think about this. What in our life, where are we in our journey? Do you think that you're worthy? Because Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, and when we celebrate communion, is all about his worthiness, which he has given to us. We are worthy because of what he did. We're worthy to be influencers and to be partners with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And so we get a chance to do that right now. So let's take communion together. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took the bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body. This is for you. Remember what he did. Let's remember him. And in the same way, he took the cup and he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink of it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim, you influence the Lord till the Lord's death, till he comes again. Be an influencer. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for this time together. I thank you that, that we are the church, that we've been doing church this whole time. God, I just pray for this group of people Um, Lord, that that you would help us to recognize where we are at, what boat we are sitting in, and God, how you want to use us in that boat. God, I pray that you would help us to to reflect on on what our journey has taught us, but where it's not going to disqualify us. And Lord, I just pray for risky people that are willing to have risky faith and jump out of the boat. God, I pray this week that you would put circumstances and people in our path that would show us how to risk, that you would give us opportunities to jump out of the boat. God, but I pray that we would be pursuing you, that we would jump out of the boat toward the presence of God. So Lord, would you just help us to be a people that love you and serve you and rise up and be the church at this time. God, I pray favor over every single person under the sound of my voice. I pray, God, that you would just bless them with health and safety. God, I pray that families would be strong. Lord, we love you and we praise you. And it is in your precious name we say, amen. Thanks for checking out this message from Real Life. You can find out more about us by visiting liferotp.com and connecting with us on Facebook and Instagram. Until next time, have a great week.